0: for being a friend Travel down the road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant And if you threw a party Invited everyone you knew Well you would see The biggest gift would be from me And the car
1: that was Thank You for Being a Friend, which was originally written by Andrew Gold and released in 1978, but would later find success as a theme song to The Golden Girls. And that's where we are today. For those of you first-time listeners, welcome. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is the Original Doll Podcast. This podcast is a love letter to all things pop, and I've been able to talk to different people from the entertainment industry and talk about all things. Writing, producing, starring, having success, having failures, and everything in between. Today's guest is Stan Zimmerman, who you might know based solely on his work. Everything from the Golden Girls to Roseanne, Rita Rocks, Gilmore Girls, the Brady Bunch movies. Is so beloved, as is everything else that you've touched. You know, I'm a, like a TK Carter fan. Not everything I've touched. <laughs> Uh, more importantly, some very, very big uh, quotes came from him and one-liners. We're going to go into those later. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. As I present you with the Original Doll Podcast.
0: Don't you want my iconography?
1: Yeah. Don't you want to in and follow me? Yeah. Don't you want to aim for the stars you see? Yeah. Don't you want my iconography? Special shout out to Kim and Pat, hoping that you're doing well. Ari, as well, Uh, those New York uh, friends and family of mine, as well as Constantine in Greece, Frederico in the Philippines, Lam in Japan, Jose in Australia, and Veronica in Chicago. Now, some quick housekeeping. For those who have not listened uh, to the podcast before, what I wanted to let you know is anytime that we have guests on the show, an item gets donated to charity for every single question that the guest answers. So just by being on the show, the guest is making the world better for another individual in need. So thank you so much for that. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, on Instagram, the.original.doll or go to the website www.theoriginaldoll.com. So, what I want to do is just kind of, you know, talk to you, ask you some questions, and and for what I think is great is, and even if we just throw both girls in there, those shows are still relevant now as they were then. And if people watch, you know, the episode, um, uh, sure,
0: sure, you know how much this has come up in the past four years with what the orange one has said? Every time he or somebody from that administration would talk or say something, this would pop up. Sure, Jan, like,
1: really? Um, I, so Everything yeah. that you've touched though has been like around and, and it can be used in so many it ways. It keeps coming back, <laughs> it keeps
0: coming back, which is why I'm writing this book now. And it's, I got a, a publisher, um indigo river and it's called the girls from golden to gilmore and it's uh, stories about all the wonderful women i've worked with and roseanne
1: your work has gone through the decades literally generations if people didn't watch golden girls they would know roseanne if they didn't watch Roseanne, they would know gilmore girls and even on the cinema the, the brady's and the fact that you've consistently had work that has stood for, I think I can easily say for generations, because I know myself and I remember being a young kid and watching Golden Girls because I was entertained by it. I didn't get it when I was like six or seven years old. Then as I was older, I'm like, it's so smart. The discussions that were had. They had
0: the subjects. I didn't even know myself. Um, There's this wonderful woman, I think her name is like Doc, Golden Girls Doc. And so each podcast, she dissects an episode, like you come up with a problem and she finds an episode. And we didn't know which one we should work with me. And I, I'm working on a play about suicide. And she goes, well, you know, they did a suicide episode on Golden Girls. I had no idea. So she played it and filmed me watching it. And then we talked about it. And so I'm even amazed at the subjects and the sensitivity. And that- you know, when we were there, yes. I mean, I wrote the uh, episode, Adult Education, which is about sexual harassment which unfortunately we're still dealing with today.
1: I wanted to jump in here really quickly because some of the subjects that were talked about in Golden Girls, and this should not um, be kind of lost in our overall discussion, is, you know, we're looking at almost 40 years ago, not quite 40, but ballpark, that on Golden Girls, they talked about gay rights, they talked about HIV, AIDS, they talked about... Um, addiction to drugs. They talk about suicide. Uh, They went through interracial marriage. Um, At the time, they referred to it as uh, cross-dressing, things like that, and and prejudice back and forth. And I think something that's interesting is something that was talked about then uh, was deportation. And there was an episode with Mario Lopez that you can kind of go back and look into because so many of these subjects and these themes are still around today. They had an episode that dealt with gaslighting um, where Dorothy was sick. So be on the lookout for those episodes. Watch them. And think about this. Think about almost, you know, 35, 36 years ago that these topics were being discussed. And we've come so far with things like the internet and, and a lot of things. But a lot of those subjects are still alive and an issue for lack of a better term, uh, in the 21st century.
0: And, uh, but back then it was really taboo to do it. And uh, it will, more of it will be explained in the book, but it really came about because Rue McClanahan came up to us on set and we didn't have a lot of time to talk with them. Uh, It was the first season that everything was like happening, you know, and uh, she just said, you know, because she's a real actor. She was like, I want you to challenge me like really challenged the character Blanche. And that really hit, we were so young and we just went back to, It was almost Golden Girls was like writing class, like, like writing 101 for us. So my writing partner and I went back to her office and go, well, who is Blanche? Blanche is always, what is, she, what is her go-to? Having sex. What would be a situation we could put her in where she would naturally, that would be her way out of the situation but for some reason she couldn't with this. And that's when we came up with, she really wanted that grade and to be thought of as smart. And then suddenly he's like, you don't have to like, just have sex with me and I'll give you the A. And so it became a really important episode for her and the character and to see her like that, especially the first season, I think it gave her so much depth. It wasn't just she's sex, but there's something behind it that well, you know
1: and, uh, and I think that you you just brought that up I think what's interesting is Blanche being such a sex positive as we would say now character is yeah. she also acknowledged like this is my power this is my control like I decide when I use it and I don't think that I'd ever seen anything even when I was like you know in the early 90s I don't think I ever saw that where you know there's there's this, whether you misogyny or anything like this, like I'm probably using the wrong word with it, but it's like the whole, well, she dressed that way. She did that way. But then in this episode, Blanche was like-
0: She chooses no, but even in the show, she chooses to, or even like the joke when Burke Reynolds comes to the door, who's the slut? And they all go like that. It's like, they are owning their sexuality yep. and you hadn't really seen it, but also you hadn't seen it with women that age, you know, which was just so great. And it was just like, this is what we're doing.
1: and what i what i did like in that episode was there was the the um part where she's talking to like the dean and he was like about to ask those questions like you know what never mind and the thing is that's a realistic thing in which somebody would probably feel as embarrassed or awkward asking those questions and that's something that i love that it was kind of shown and of course it's on a comedy show but there's truth in comedy and so when i saw that i was like this is so true that's an actual and of course you know blanche is like oh i've done that oh no i didn't do that (laughs) like that yeah well it was it was really
0: uh how do you get that out on a sitcom written back then where you couldn't say anything you literally it was you had you know sensor boards that would come down not so much with golden girls because it was a hit and they could kind of dictate but still it was tv in the mid 80s so we were like how are we going to skirt this so we had to come as close to the line as we can I thought we had crossed the line in that episode you know like kiss my a I'm going they're never gonna let us say that and they're like yeah fine or when she says um you know to to B or whatever the number is on the on the form you know you've wow. done that to you know you can go do that to yourself I'm like whoa I laughed but I'm like let's just put it and see what happens and it's like And it stayed in, so... Was there,
1: in in, in writing that, was there discussions where they did, or they implied, you know what, maybe that's too far or maybe it's too dramatic? Is there a conversation to make sure that it's keeping the the brand of the Golden Girls, which is comedy, but also they deal with those hefty subjects? Like, was there a conversation of how far can we actually go with what he did? Because he held her hand, you know what I mean? Like, there was the physical side of you as the viewer seeing it and going... Ooh, the unwanted touching. And that's in the news yeah. now, too. It's.
0: Yes, it is. Um, no, I think we just, we kind of, back then, especially with network television, you knew where the edge of the sandbox ended, you know, which I always love, pushed it a little bit more, you know. And when we went on to Roseanne, the Lesbian Kiss episode, I mean, that pushed it too far. And they were like, no, they literally said, We are not filming this episode. And it became a news story. I would come home at night, watch the 11 o'clock news and they'd be talking about me and my episode. And thank God, Roseanne and Tom Arnold, they were still married, said to the network, if you don't put it on, we're gonna buy it back and and air it on HBO and buy the time for it. Like, who does that? I mean, that's why I loved her so much. And it's so awkward and weird now thinking, well, who is she? you know, is, was she really a Trumper? Is she, you know, where is she gone? Uh, because she really fought for the LGBT community so hard. And she was always fighting for the underdog. What
1: was great is Roseanne had that clout, that ability. And what she said, you really were like, well, she's she's probably going to do that. That's for for everything that she is. She was like, I'm taking this. And what I liked is, This was a heterosexual woman who was fighting for this thing. And if people could say, oh, is it a gimmicky thing during this and that? But if it was a gimmicky thing, she would have been like, let's not show it. Because you are going to watch it. But again,
0: I I credit Rue McClanahan for teaching us as baby writers to challenge the character. So we did the same. We always do it on every show. So we went on Roseanne. And we're thinking, well, she's this liberal, which she was then, super cool person well what would challenge that she's kissed by a woman and then you see the ripple effect and not only her like why is that upsetting to me or does it turn me on and then you see how it affects everybody else around her so we thought that was so interesting to challenge that and it made sense for the character in the show Um, but
1: so like going back to because your episode for golden girls was the first season so you were there you know it wasn't five years in you were there at the beginning and one of the big things I know people asked was like, what happened to Coco? You know, the fifth Goldie girl, what happened? Coco was like, I'm making enchiladas. And then like, I'm
0: gone. does it come back?
1: The character of Coco was in the pilot episode for those who don't know. And eventually after like with pilot and any other sort of show progressing, um, the character Sophia went from basically being a recurring role to a main character. And therefore they didn't need the character of Coco to kind of carry storylines on. Uh, And sadly uh, the actor Charles Levin had passed a year and a half ago.
0: I mean, we weren't, we weren't there on the pilot and we weren't there in like the episode two or three for me as a writer, I would have, I liked the realness and that's why I loved writing on Roseanne. It was, to me it was the first show that really followed real people and you you saw them live and die and change jobs and things happen whereas in the golden Girls days it was a different form and they would because of syndication they wanted you to write shows what they call evergreen that could go out of order now everything is pretty much episodic so it's different but i always want i wanted the golden girls to change more they were kind of the same throughout pretty much um, But uh, because we were there at the beginning of of Golden Girls, we were discovering things. Uh, So I would have said, explain where Coco left. He got another job, something so that people aren't asking, like, just say, I mean, just put it in the next episode. I mean, but they didn't have any idea that literally people would be studying it in colleges. Mm -hmm. I I did a Zoom um, speaking engagement at a college, University of Georgia, where there's a class in Golden Girls. What? Yeah. I know so it's it's just it's, it's wonderful and insane all at the same time um, but it's like but they didn't really need Coco I think so Estelle's character was not going to be in every episode and she just came in and scored like we always say as I described it you'd see her come in and she'd hit like a home run over the literally over the stadium wall you know every time you knew the character the actor together you just you if you give her a good line, she'd go, and it was like, wham, and she'd be gone, you know? And uh, that is so unique to have that. And we went to that a lot, um, you know? So I think when they saw That's the Show, but sometimes you just don't know, you know? And and God bless Susan Harris for even attempting or putting on a gay character, you know, back then.
1: Well, and so how, because the thing is, when I look at it, because you had... Um... I'm trying to think of what the other one, the Blanche the Her Man, which was the episode that was the only episode I think that featured Rose's mom. Like it was there she was and it was interesting. And I wonder for you as a writer, how is it freeing or more difficult if you're going to be bringing an actual past character that might be referenced, but you're bringing them in front of the, the camera for the first time. How is it easy or difficult when you take like Rose's mom and go, we have to explain who she, who she is. is.
0: Yeah. But so that became a thing I think we discovered on the first season of like, it was a revolving door of like just bringing in, you know, all their family members, which was great because I think when you get to that age you would have people coming and visiting all the time. And so you could have their kids and, and brothers and sisters and whatnot through the house. Um, and then you don't know, you cast an act and you see what happens. Um Unfortunately, that actor had a really tough time learning, li- remembering lines. So that, that scene with the soap, when they're sitting there, like that just took too long and I could just, you could see the patience of the other actors, just like, no, no, we, we're, we're much more. And she hadn't really done a lot of sitcoms. She She was known for Gunsmoke, which is an hour Western. Mm. So, I mean, I was not involved in casting at all. I mean, I thought she was really good in the part. But I think maybe that's one of the reasons why she never came back.
1: And so that's something where it's, you work on Golden Girls, where you have these four women with these completely different relationships. And then you have Roseanne with this woman with all these different relationships than then Gilmore Girls, where it's really this relationship of this mother and daughter who at times it seemed like sisters, that it seemed like they were, they yeah, were that, was,
0: that was the pitch of the show. But you also had... great mother grandmother mother character and you had all the townspeople and that that's what was so wonderful but i love that roseanne brought the characters back so like uh another one who had a tough time with shelly winters coming on for the thanksgiving episode on roseanne and we were roseanne literally she did one take and she was we were home in a half an hour she was like she liked that feeling of it just being raw like you were, were you had stepped into their house in Elgin and boom, this happened and then you're gone, which is kind of cool, that rawness. But some actors, you know, either because of age or the way they rehearse, they wanted more time to do more takes. And it was, it was Estelle Parsons and Shelley Winters together. So that was like a lot <laughs> in one episode. It was just like, all right, we're gonna be here a while. But I love that they kept bringing those characters back. So you knew when Estelle Parsons or Shelley Winters walked in the door, you were like, it, like like a real Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, God, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be some trouble. So, um, but what do
1: you think it is that, that you have that you do so well speaking through these these female characters that are so diverse? Because Rosanna is completely different than Rose, completely different than Rory, completely, you know, you have all these. And yet you've been able to, like, write and still make it sound like them on brand of that character, whatever that is at that moment. But there's always fun in it but there's always a sense of reality in all of those how do you how do you do that what do you think it is that you have or that skill set that you have that we all can say we've seen shows where you're just like okay next you know move on
0: well that will be explained in the book oh. as well but i think i think it is an art to write for other characters that other people created to have an ear for it and to be able to listen to it is much different than just writing your own stuff or pilots. It really is listening. And I because I started out as an actor, I was always told, you know, acting is reacting. So you have to listen to the other person. So it was already in me. Uh, also, you know, it was a different time where I feel like today I probably wouldn't have had the, gotten those jobs because they would have said, you're a man. You don't understand. You can't write that. You know, and I know B. Arthur at the beginning was like, Who the hell are these little kids there? You know, and we looked, we were little kids, but we looked even like, you know, high school students. And she was not happy. And then she got the script and she's like, Hmm. And then she saw the next week's script. And she was like, Well, I guess it's okay. You know, then she was very, very happy. Uh, you know, but people do obviously like, Welcome to the world. You are judged by how you look. And, um, you know, people think this is just, you know, pure sexual like this. But I'm looking at Blanche.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at Blanche. There,
0: there is a brain in here, okay? <laughs> don't just love me for my lips and, and my body, but there is a brain in there. Um, sure, Jan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we go. There you go. Um, so... Uh, yeah so uh, I mean I just I love it and I also I know this this may sound crazy but um I feel my heart is female I don't know how to explain that but I just I I feel through a female heart I'm there's just something I can't explain it you know some people have other body parts that are male or female what they would identify as and uh, I there's just something about I think I just feel from here in a way that just feels feminine, and and maybe that's I don't know I can't I can't describe what that is, but, it, but it, it, I'm gl- so glad I have it. Is you know at times it's like very sensitive and loving, and at times it's you know, but it is really I've always. Put myself in other people's shoes and and that's how I look at the world or if I like I'm thinking like how would I what do I do here like okay just step in their shoes and figure it out how do they feel and um that's kind of been my guiding
1: force. was it intimidating though like you you mentioned B Arthur the fact that B Arthur you know Maud, you had these and all of them that they were well-known names and I think I didn't know that because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have known what mod was or anything like that.
0: Now- I was obsessed with television. I had created my own network in my bedroom in Southfield, Michigan, because I obviously wasn't out playing sports. Uh, So I did what other kids did. I created a fourth network before Fox. Literally, I made a cardboard scheduling board and I scheduled seven days a week of programming. I know that's insane, right? That is amazing. (laughs) I made my own advertisements. I went on my own talk shows to, to, you know, talk up the shows. If a show got canceled and I liked it, I put it on my network. Um, I believe Lily Tomlin deserved her own weekly variety show, so she had Lily on my network, and uh, and I got to tell her that, and that was that was pretty exciting. Yes, it was, um, and yeah, so she's been just an. She's an idol, idol, idol of mine. And I've adored her since I was a little kid. I made my mother take me to JL Hudson's department store to have her sign an album that she did. Yeah. And I I brought it out when she was at my house. And then I got to, I wrote a movie for her and that's how we became
1: friends. Um, And the thing is, it's like, these are the hero, heroines, whoever that you look up to. And then you are then allowed to ultimately be a collaborator with them, which I think is, something that I think shouldn't be lost in that, you know, it's, you can be a fan of and admire from afar, but to be in that creative space with them, I think that that's a different, that's something that most of us don't get, don't get to have, so.
0: It's scary though, the first time we had dinner with her, uh, I told my writing partner, you cannot leave me at the table with her, like, I don't care if you have to go to the bathroom, you hold it in, you do what you got to do, and we literally held it in, and she's ordering wine and we're drinking wine and we're going, oh, great, now we have to go. And, um, and then she used like the word epiphany. And mind you, we were really young then, like, I don't know, maybe, tw- I don't know, early 20s. I didn't know what epiphany was. And we're just going, yeah, the character's epiphany. And then we're like, the-? <laughs> it wasn't like you had a phone back then and I could, you know, Google what epiphany meant. She was so smart and she, you know, also her references were of a different time, but they were so clever. And, um, you know, I just loved being in her sphere and to think she was there because she liked what I wrote. It's like, what, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that was, but then again, if you're dreaming that I'm making a TV show for her on my network, it just would naturally be that there I am sitting there talking with her about a movie idea, right? Yeah. It's not that for the leap. I was already there you had, taking her on It shows. was your dream so, board.
1: Your storyboard was all ready to go, that like vision board. In
0: a way It was a dream board before anybody even knew what a dream board was. Yeah. It was a network board, but it was a dream board. And I would dream, literally dream of how That's I would crazy. be successful, how I would get there. And it wasn't about... Yeah, of course, the mansions and the cars, but it was really about the work and what I was doing. What work would I, would it be a movie? Would it be a Broadway show? Would it be a TV show? That's what was gonna propel me to be known or to have whatever I had. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of times I feel like people in the, you know, Kardashian world now it's famous to be famous, you know? no, not that I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to having my own cologne. I don't know if anybody wants to smell like me, but <laughs> um, it was about the work and making people laugh. Your cologne called
1: people. Epiphany. <laughs> Epiphany.
0: There you go. That's a Lily should have Epiphany by Lily. Um, uh, so it, I just I always love making people laugh, and this was just now it, it's just doing it on a, you know a lot, much larger scale. So,
1: but what do you think it is that these iconic women, characters and, and, and performers that they're still named, especially in the, the gay community beyond just, you know, the general civilians. But in the gay community, the Golden Girls still holds a very special place in many people's hearts. What do you think it is about them that really resides and holds true and, and people cherish those characters and that world that was created?
0: I think part of it is, um, you know, like gay people We were outsiders. We grew up outside. We didn't get to have the relationships in school and figure all that out. So we had to, back then we had to hide who we were. I had to hide who I was even on Golden Girls. We could not tell everybody that we were gay, which I know people like that blows their mind because they think it's such an open show. But back then we couldn't when we got nominated for a Writers Guild Award for um, Blanche and the Younger Man We had to bring a woman. We were told to bring a woman to it. Yeah. And as I say in my book, Estelle was the first person the first day on the set with her. She called us, she said, Come here. And we're like, what are we doing? And she's following her behind the set. And she's like, Um, you're safe with me. Uh, you're one of, you know, I'm one of you, you're one of us. And I'm like, Jewish? Okay. I think there's other Jewish people here. (laughs) And she went gay. Because she was in Torch Song, and I luckily I had seen Torch Song on Broadway with her, and I knew who she was. Um, she just wow. considered herself one of our tribe, which was so cool. So she, but it's interesting that she knew that we were not in, we were in a hostile environment, as far as that was concerned. But she knew enough to like, I got you, I got you. If I hear anything, I will tell you. I'll keep you, you know, which is so great because she didn't have to do that but she just did it. And that's how we became friends outside of the show. And uh, I will always be grateful for that because it did give us a a little bit of comfort, but we still, it's still odd to go to work and not be able to say what you did over the weekend and not, you're not fully yourself. And so it's hard to, it's really hard to be funny when you're not fully open. Mm. You know, as I tell my, I teach acting classes, And from the writer producer perspective and I say, I can't hire you if I can't see who you are. So don't do what you think I want. I need you to see you and I'm gonna either hire you or not. Mm -hmm. So here I was not being fully me and yet I, how do you write from that position? So that was really difficult um, to do under those circumstances. And so I think we were able to release stuff through the characters of these four women. And because we were outsiders and, you know, the ageism of people, you know, you're considered outside because you're a woman, you're of a certain age, you look the way you look. You, know, um, you so, know, Dorothy had the hump on her back, so she had to deal with that.
1: So when you when you take it and look, you're, you're writing, you're a young writer working on Golden Girls and fortunate enough to be there at the beginning, you know, to kind of help create what would be, you know, season one, you know, and then season one. The well, like saying Olaf was
0: never mentioned until one of our episodes. So we were in the room and we were all coming up with, what do we call this town? Cause we're obviously gonna, I think we're gonna go back to using it. And I remember we're all pitching like different names and people are looking it up. It can't be that real because then the people in the town, we can't use. It was like really thought up, but that was the first time it was really Uh, mentioned that's where it started yeah and all of them the way they tell stories and even you know Dorothy says in one of our scripts that's how you tell a story we saw that that they were telling these long-winded stories and we did the same thing in the Brady Bunch when you know Mike telling his long stories we're like we have to make fun of that that was not in the script we got and we're like no 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 we have to have you know and then we see Carol pouring the sugar and still pouring the sugar. And, you know, um, so that was a super fun job because we could make fun of all of that. And in Golden Girls, we just saw that's gonna be a thing, you know, of her where did,
1: But where did these St. Olaf stories, where did they come from? Because they're
0: so- they just got crazy and crazier. And it's a fine line between being really silly, which is not really the kind of writing I like to do, but it really goes up, you know, and as it goes, the show goes, on they start to get a little nuttier, you know. Some of them I'd be like, okay, you know, that's what you guys are all think is funny. I mean, that's not my favorite part of it, you know. Some of them are like, you know, the thing through the cannon or I don't know, whatever that was, you know, the flea or
1: was something? Wasn't there something? It was the amount of random stories of Saint Olaf, random, and I different. was like, and what I loved is just that like you know, here's these stories. And then, like, Sophia, you know, picture it. And then all of a sudden she tells the story and they're like, Ma, you just made that up. And she's like, so what? Like, I'm a whole, yes. just-
0: I'm colorful, yes. <laughs> and it- I mean, that's what's great about her. It's like, then we found ways for all of them to tell their stories.
1: Whenever Blanche would talk about, like, her age, it would always crack me up. She's like, I think he realizes I'm over 30 years old. And then everyone is like, it's the looks. What I love is in the Golden Girls Especially, I noticed that more is it's the reaction. It's truly that acting yeah. is reacting thing. Because- well, we wrote the line, in what, Blanche, dog
0: ears? Like, that was in the first rough draft of our script. And I don't even know why we phrased it that way. In what, Blanche, comma, dog, in what, whatever the, the order of it is. It's so, and you hear B. Arthur, right? And it's just like nobody else could say it like that. So that order, you just heard it. Um, and that reaction that she had. And then us discovering that we didn't have to write lines for B. Arthur, because she could just give a look and they would be like, people
1: like, ah, (laughs) laugh. That is is what I think I truly love from from a performance standpoint is, they can deliver these lines, but also it's just, it's the non-verbals. It's those things where to your point, like B. Arthur's just reaction where it's just, and she just looks and you, in that moment, you are her, where you're like, I feel you. And then when Rose finally gets something, she's like, oh, oh. And then there's the moment of like, oh, oh.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, that was great. They did start to do that in the show, so you could follow her. But all that was earned, you know? You had to get to a point of when you can earn the time when that's the way you tell stories, which is pretty quick you know, because they were very basic characters and then they get more fleshed out as you go. But again, we didn't know at the time they would read the ratings at the table reads every Monday and we would see it start low, you know, not low, but in the middle. And then every week it'd be like and everyone's just going, what, huh? Because that was just not the way television worked then. Nobody thought it would be a hit show. It may be, you know, in the middle kind of thing and people would like it, but like, rise to the top of the ratings who was,
1: who was the competition who were who were golden girls up like per night or whatever
0: it was on saturday night so i don't know what was on CBS, i remember but...
1: i remember being you know seven eight years old uh, yeah probably seven or eight where it was i would watch golden girls empty nest i think nurses or sister i think sisters was like the drama at like I, i'm in chicago at like nine o'clock it would come on but yeah. i just remember and then they had like this crossover episode where they had like the hurricane. Oh, was okay.
0: getting... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, CBS used to have a night of comedy. It would be like All in the family and uh, Mary Tyler Moore and the Bob Newhart show. And then ending in the Carol Burnett show. So they had shows on Saturday. I still don't know why people gave
1: up on Saturday programming. It feels like. It's weird for me to think a Saturday sitcom. I always think of, I always think of Monday through Thursday. Like that's it. Like Friday. So then there were was- then they made TGIF, and that became a big thing. That um,
0: and Mondays, you know, like Lucy had, I guess, shows on Monday nights. So they were, you know, and Laughing was on Monday nights at uh, on NBC.
1: When, but when you would write these shows, like Golden Girls, how much time was there between writing and actually shooting, and then airing?
0: Um, no, no, that's that's the scary part of doing network television. You know. At the beginning, you have more time because you have the summer to start writing and working on them. But then once they start airing them in September, I mean, they're going like, uh oh, here we go. Then it, it, they burn them really quickly. So then you get panicky and then and then you have less time. And if you, you can sometimes see things, you know, are maybe not as sharp later on um, because you're just you're just writing them like, like nuts really fast. Um, The good thing about Golden Girls was the weeks that Susan Harris wrote her scripts. She never came to the office. So her scripts were never touched. So only cut maybe for timing wise. Um, So those weeks we'd be just like, we don't have to rewrite those, you know, but otherwise we would come back after run through and we would keep wanting to make it better and better and better. We knew when you had actors of that level, it had to be great and then when it became the hit that it did it had to be great and there was a lot of pressure just to keep it at that level and um but and you, there were so many talented people in the room that you just knew it was gonna sing well, was gonna be and
1: that was the thing where it was like i just remember golden girls was always a thing that it didn't take like i feel like schitt's creek is an easy thing where like I'd watched from the beginning, but more people started seeing it as it came to the end were kind of built. And it was based small Canadian network than pop here. But I feel like golden girls was always golden girls. I feel like Cosby Show was another thing for me that I always knew it existed because it was always a big thing. Um, but how do you go from, you know, the half hour sitcoms and then Gilmore girls where it's like, Oh hundreds God. of pages of and and, and thankfully i have this because there's like a mention of you know rory says something i'm like who is this person who, and, sammy who the hell is sammy khan um, i was thankful when the dvds came out they put the books in there i don't know if you saw they put glossaries in there so in all the dvd oh, things funny. you can open them up and it has a listing of every random thing that they talk about during that season and i was like that doesn't happen
0: in television. That was very, very rare. <laughs> so because Amy Sherman-Palladino who created it, we met her on Roseanne, and we became really close friends on Roseanne. And then in season five of Gilmore, we were on development deals doing our own pilots and things. And, um, and uh, she uh, asked us to come on staff for the show. Normally in TV, you, you write to the lowest common denominator. So you, you would always write, everybody has to understand everything. And the, the beautiful thing that Amy was like, like, let them look it up, we don't care. So we would write above. And so it was so cool to be able to do that. And to, you know, sometimes I'd have to go like, who is that? You know, or if I came in and said like, how about Norman Mailer for an episode? She'd be like, great, let's get him. I'm like, normally though, no one knows who Norman Mailer is, forget it. Like, like you know, bring on, you know, Cheryl Teagues. I don't know, whatever, whoever, I don't know why I picked Cheryl Teagues. People don't know who Cheryl Teagues is. Um, so um, I, I love that. So now I use that. I use I use the Gilmore thing when we were pitching. And if someone goes, well, we, people won't know that. I go, Gilmore Girls. Let them look it up. And I think now we live in just a different time when you are literally, you know, on your phone, on this, on here, doing that. That you would could just look it up. And um,
1: how, I mean, how did that feel? Knowing you know you you worked on Roseanne. They rebooted it and then rebooted it again and then Gilmore Girls. Then they, they came back with their four part seasons and whatnot. How did that, how did it feel for you from the creative standpoint of somebody who worked on, early?
0: Um well, when Roseanne came back, I started doing uh, reviews of it on Instagram from my point of view. So I got a little upset when they, you know, like Jackie suddenly, our season, she had a baby and suddenly there was no baby. I'm like, that's not Roseanne. You just honor that. Like who made that decision? I didn't understand that. So I would just, you know, talk about that. Then the whole craziness happened with Roseanne. And then I went on CNN on the Brooke Baldwin show and talked about that. And then I started writing my thoughts about the show without Roseanne, which felt there was just this wholeness. And they seemed to have found their footing, but I just had to stop because it's like, God bless them. I love Lori Metcalf. She should be on TV every day. Just reading film books or no,
1: film books no, no. Television people, it's like, there's Jackie. Or later on, they could be like, that's the woman from Scream too. You know, yeah. that, but the people that know theater, like she's such, she has such a huge presence and still today. I wanted to take a moment to uh, let you all know about a fantastic nonprofit um, that I am a part of and, Stan was so kind to be involved in a fundraiser for. It's our art of giving. Uh, And they have a program called Generations in which the charity supplies food, hygiene products, so on and so forth uh, to senior members in the LGBT community. Many times this community, this demographic is overlooked. Uh, And so the goal of our art of giving is to supply items of comfort to kind of help them put a smile on their face. So if you'd like more information, or if you'd like to donate, visit www.ourartofgiving.org or www.oaog.org. Special shout out to Generations coordinator, Danny Beers. I just started watching the Reboot of One Day at a Time. And I've loved it. I've loved everything about it. It's one of my favorite shows to watch. And I heard of, and I think I'd seen a few episodes from, you know, the reruns from the original run in like the, the 70s and I think it was 70s, 80s, or maybe just 70s, that I was just like, wow, I was able to see a family that acted realistically like how I was. And, but I was used to growing up watching The Cosby Show one day and Golden Girls the next day, and nowhere in there did I fit or look like that. And so when I think about it, like, but when I've been able to see Chicago shows or anything, you could see the diversity there, when they allow it, you know? I mean, I truly mean that when they allow it, but I think it's, it's I think we're now at a time where the arts are, they're always waiting in the wings because somebody wants to cut them. Somebody wants to say they're not important, but then they'll say, I loved Game of Thrones. I loved Roseanne. I loved, you know, the Carol Burnett show. And you're just like, you wouldn't have that if you didn't have these people with the theater arts, with the writing skills, with the
0: creative side. And, and other countries do support the arts. Ours doesn't see the benefit of them. And like, as you can tell during COVID, I'm sure you heard about this, like Golden Girls was one of Hulu's most popular shows. People needed just to laugh. I mean, I'm stuck on the news pretty much 24 seven and it, it was just doomsday, it was just awful. And this gave us a place to come back to family and just know they're there and you can laugh. And so it'll be interesting to see as this opens up, are people going to wanna see COVID stories or are they just gonna wanna have a good time? I think there is a mixture where you can laugh and feel at the same time.
1: Well, and so how do you then take a time like this where you have the time where you had intended on this show continuing on, this performance?
0: I did nine Zoom plays last year. <laughs> oh my gosh. I haven't done any this year. i have like, I just have to breathe, write my book. It was like, I just was, at that point, I was like, I have to do something. I have to keep going. Mm-hmm. So what I've done a lot of new projects is like, um, so uh, we've been, wanting to sell silver foxes. I don't know if you heard about that, which is oh for cool. the for the people okay. watching
1: this for the first time that probably don't know. Please.
0: What do you mean they don't know?
1: <laughs> but, but the great thing is the, the people that see these shows that come and support the the charity are usually people that they're learning stuff for the first time. And I love people just learning. So this is your time to talk about oh. this because I'm I'm excited uh, personally. Yeah. I so
0: it's it's it's, uh, it's um uh the idea came about when we heard about uh, older gay men, when they move into assisted living, they have to go back in the closet. So can you imagine like your whole life is getting out of the closet and suddenly you have to go back in. And we thought, who is the biggest gayest person? Leslie Jordan. So he's the character that his friends all go to visit and suddenly he's all being macho and what's happening. And and they're like, no, you, you this is not happening. They throw a fit and they get him kicked out and he ends up moving with them to their uh, George Takei played one of the parts um, uh, in their Palm Springs mid-century home. So people call it like a gay men's golden girls. It's not, it's not a reboot. People are saying it's a reboot and then people like start screaming at me. And it's like, how dare you reboot? And it can't be, I'm like, no, it can never be repeated. I know, I'm there with you. Obviously it's, it's there's some paying of homage to it but so is doing Three Sisters. So is Sex in the City. So is Designing Women. I mean, it's always been around uh, on female ensemble pieces. So ours is that of, of four gay men living together in Palm Springs and it's called Silver Foxes. We've had a hard time selling it because it's a double whammy of older demographics and gay. And I've literally had people say, well, it's not broad appeal enough. I'm like, well, what the fuck was Golden Girls? Like, don't tell me that, but Golden Girls didn't have the gay thing on And it's it's just where we are in it the did, world. It did, with Coco,
1: so. and then look what happened to Coco.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Coco's Um, So it's still an issue with how people. Long, how long has
1: this been with Leslie Jordan? How long has this been percolating?
0: A long time. So we did a reading in my living room with Leslie, Bruce Valanche, um, Sherry O'Terry, Melissa Peterman, um, uh, George Kay, Daniel Gaither, uh, Todd Sherry. It was a cavalcade of stars and still Logo, Logo started this. They're the ones that paid for the original script and they couldn't get, get it together. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Take a few dollars from RuPaul and throw it our way. We'll make it. They just couldn't do a weekly series. So as I think you're probably discovering I don't take no like lightly. So I'm like, well, what can we do? So last year we turned it into a play and my friend Michael Yuri from Ugly Betty directed it And so we turned it into, his idea was make it a one set, make the house in Palm Springs a character, like in Golden Girl. So we turned it into a play and we did a virtual reading of it for producers in New York with George Takei and Garrett Clayton from um, uh, Hairspray And and Cobra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully some people know him from that. Um, So he plays the twink of one of the lovers, of one of the gay guys, that uh, is coming to Palm Springs. And he, he goes through uh, Twinks. They don't learn his name because he changes Twinks like he does his Lexuses. So um, um, uh, so he's the fourth character in the piece, kind of our Sophia. Uh, and uh, so we're hoping that when things open up, we George really would love to take it to Broadway, um, but we would love to get it in theaters. It's super funny, but there's, you know, like Golden Girls, there's real heart to it because it's about friends again coming to the rescue because this should not be that you know n- now they're starting to have lgbtq plus uh, assisted living places mm-hmm. they're few and far between and it's you know it, there's still so much age- ageism out there and uh, there are groups like sage which has been very helpful with us and so again that's marrying a little bit of advocacy in with real popular culture so i like that mixture
1: see and that's that's what i like the fact that you know when you think of when i think of golden girls i'm like who would have thought that that would have made sense and sometimes those are the best story those are the best things but it's that one person that needs to press the button to say here's the here's the money go you know and it's 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 shocking Where where's ryan murphy yeah. like he, he can press some buttons I, I think at the end of the day it's there's a there's a want and need demand you know for silver foxes and you have these iconic men like Leslie Jordan I think has everyone knew him George Takei with Howard Stern like it's you're finding this like repush of people seeing their talents and opening them up to a wider crowd and that to me is why I wouldn't get why people wouldn't especially logo because I couldn't tell you anything else logo had
0: my point exactly but to to make a half hour show it does cost some money but i think something like this would be beloved across boundary you know just so many different types and demos you know that people are thinking oh it's gay older gay men so other people won't watch it that's just not true and you know so we're we're hoping to couple together some money uh, but I'm also hoping, like what Lucy did, she took the Isle of Lucy show on the road, like a play, because everyone in Hollywood was like, Well, we a Latin lead husband, like, can't marry a white guy. She's like, No, this is the show we want to do. So she took it on the road and they did like a mini version of it and it became really popular. And the network was like, Okay, let's give it a go. So, you know, it's, I didn't know that. That's, but, yeah. So it's just figuring, you know, you've got just got to,
1: you know, I, well, and the beat thing beat is, it. I had to introduce people to Vicious with Ian McKellen. And I think it was like, um, I forgot who wrote on it, Gary Janetti, where yeah, I know Gary. where I was like, it, I just happened upon it one day. And then I told everyone, I'm like, this is hysterical. It's like, and it was, and of course it's British. So some people that I know that I recommended it to were like, I don't get some of the jokes. I'm like, it's okay. That's the best part when it's just like with Golden Girls. There are, there are things that I laughed at as a kid. And then as an adult, I was just like, okay, that's, this. you know, it's the, the reliving of a moment of watching it. I think Golden Girls, Roseanne, Gilmore Girls, it has it where the more you mature, the more you get these things that you wouldn't have. And so it works on many levels. And I think that's, you know, an attest, a testament to like yours and, and every other writer's talents where it wasn't just a one and done hit this moment. We got it. This was as I go back. It's like this. I mean, I'm like, oh, I get it now. Oh, I get it now. And
0: that's what the director Betty Thomas said about Brady Bunch. She said, write it for little kids, write it for the older people that grew up with it, and then write it for stoners. And I'm going, I got all three. We're done. We're there. How,
1: and we really did. How scary was that though? To take this valuable property and. get to play with it because the there's what's i forgot which one it was where it's like oh this is my fault this is my fault and then this is jan's fault where they're all like
0: (laughs) so that we made up because again it was taking it to the extreme and i'm a middle child so i'm i I am a jan stan jan yeah um so we came on just as a two-week polish on the script and and betty was casting it and then she just like flipped out over what we did. So she said, I I can't change. We have the location set. I kind of have to keep it in with that has to happen in that scene. Otherwise go to town. And we're like, leave us alone. They gave us a little closet. we were back in the closet at Paramount and we're throwing pages out. And she's going, oh my God, this is fucking hysterical. And so then they were like, hire them for two more weeks, two more weeks, bring them on the set. And so, and then she would come in and she would say, you've got to see this Marsha. You've got to see this Jan actress, and we're like, well, we have to write more. The whole rivalry, we just have to. They were so hysterical together. And then when we came up with Miss Cummings, and we're reading people like uh, Jennifer Lewis, you know, from Blackish, what? And actors like that, and we're going, okay, she could do it. And then I'm in West Hollywood having a martini, and I and Supermodel song came on. It was a new video, and I went. Oh my, I don't know if it's the vodka talking, but what about her as Miss Cummings? So I came in the next day and they had to track down this new video because it was only starting to play in gay clubs. Are you serious? And they called Rue in and he read and she was like, he would be great. And then I went to the set that day and the, the last line is, and Jan, you better work. That was not in the script. I just said, Betty, before you say it's a wrap, I said, just film it. I think it could be funny. The movie, she ended up using that music at the end because by that point, that was a hit song all over the United States. But when we were filming it, the crew was going, what do you mean work it? What does that mean? Like they didn't, it was a bunch of straight guys. They didn't know.
1: Oh, I did that. So that that is, these are the fun behind the scene things that like make you just go, there is stuff that always happens behind the scenes and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But it's like, here you are watching this video and going, I want that. I want, th- th- whatever's happening here, I want that. Because now, yeah. when I remember- when-
0: well, Now Jennifer Lewis is going to call me and say, what the hell?
1: Jennifer Lewis is like, well- no. Ru
0: is going to take that wig off of Rue and say, that was my part. you know." And then that was so funny that when we made the sequel, I said, but it takes place in the summer. I said, we have to have RuPaul come back. And that's when I came up. I said, Well, what if they're at the pool? And uh, something just came over to me and I said, What if she has three black daughters? And I just said, Moesha, 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 because that show was on. And the room just cracks up and it's like, Done, it's in. And that never changed. That was just like that, that was like that joke was kind of the <laughs> built everything around that. Oh my
1: goodness. So, you theoretically then were filming or that your script was being filmed of golden girls while you were writing
0: doing other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And working on stories for five, six episodes down the and line. And this was
1: at a time when it was like 25 episodes a season rather than now that the 10 episodes, or i like well, So British was,
0: So Gilmore, Gilmore girls was too. Oh, that's right. So we really spent, so Amy did a thing where, we'd go to her house and she rented a house on the beach in Santa Monica. And we all went there for like two months in the summer. And we literally mapped out the first half of the year. And then we went to Palm Springs for a week working and we mapped out the second half. But we came up with the idea in that year of relationships breaking apart and coming together. So that was thematically. And then how do you get there? But I mean, you get to the end of the year and you see like, oh my God, we're on episode 20. Like you get to 20 and you're like, You see the end of it. But when you're at the beginning and you're at like seven, you're like, holy moly, how am I going to survive? But, you know, you can't really complain. You have a job. And I would tell when writers complain, I go, you have a job.
1: When you're working on like Golden Girls, because I think one of the things that I loved and I had rewatched Blanche with the Younger Man is these women were fit because there's a scene where like Blanche is like working out and doing this stuff and she's taking like honey pollen things or whatever. But like I even remember when they had tap dancing numbers or dancing numbers, and it's like these were—I want to say—I I, want to say I can safely say that the, this was the generation that you had to be that triple threat in order to have been a performer in, in all aspects. And I was shocked. You trained and you kept training. What?
0: Well, and people like Rue stayed on stage. She was doing Golden Girls, and she'll do a little play in Hollywood. She was a real actor. They studied and they kept their craft, you know, alive and warm. So
1: were you with Golden Girls the whole- No, we were
0: only there the first the first year. So when And if you wanna know why, you gotta read- Oh, 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 you and if we wanna know go. why, we read the book.
1: I always forget how little the entertainment industry actually is employed at one time. I always forget that I think it was like on the SAG Awards years back, like at any point, 92% of us are unemployed and it didn't hit me. And you can be on a hit series.
0: And I always tell them, if you have a window, fly through that window, baby, grab it because that window shuts. And then suddenly it's like, you were on what show? I don't remember. You know, and then that's, that's, it's, you know, they got to start from scratch. But we've all been there. I mean, after Roseanne, I was going to unemployment. I would hide my BMW around the corner and you know walk a couple blocks. But you know, we that's a, any career has its ups and downs, and you have to be willing to ride that. But especially for an actor, it's really difficult.
1: Well, and I think the hard part is with you know this clearly more than I do. But as somebody who's just like I said, a consumer watching this, is you've written these iconic episodes, and and really, I, I believe that Blanche and the Younger Man. I think that that was that was a character pivot that I really liked that it gave her more depth. Um, not that she didn't have any, but it was a moment where I was like, wow, this is, and it still holds true almost 40 years later, but people are looking at- but that went really to the core of like, when he said,
0: you're like my mother, like she thought it was, that really is like, we all want to be just loved and thought of as like, you know, I want to, yeah, I'm sexy and all that. And it's like, oh, you're such a good, you know, old grandpa, you know, tell us your stories, grandpa. You know, and it's like, no, I want to be the sexy young thing, you know? And so you felt the pain on her and then she turned it at the end and goes, "Order me the double. And she's like, I'm having a good time. You know, and you saw that character. We felt that whole ride she was on.
1: Well, and that's the thing. It's like the hard part. And I don't, under, I don't know how this works with the actors because when I watch a show, I'm like, oh my God, that was great. Blanche was great. Like even civilians, like Blanche was great. And that it was really great. And then the performers like, oh, Rue McClanahan was great. But then it's the tertiary level where people are like, "Oh, what is the name of the writer who did that?" And then when you look and see, and it's not, it's not as prevalent like um, Amy Palladino, Sherman. I always get her name wrong.
0: Amy Sherman Palladino. Where it's
1: it's always there. It's either her name or her husband, or so. And it's like always like it's beating me over the head with. And it got to the point where I was like, "Okay, it's this is your show. I get it. Like, like
0: we get it. Yeah. Yes, like yes. it's
1: okay. That's that's great."
0: Um, but I mean, I'll see like on the Golden Girls fan pages because I'm on a lot of those. I've joined them and they'll be like, so they were all ad-libbing, right? And I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> and I'll come in there and they'll go, well, who are you? Like, you're not that person. And I go, I'm that person. And they're like, well, what are you doing in our room? Or they'll post like some lines that I wrote like in dog ears or whatever. And I go, oh, thanks. That's my line. And I'm like, like, you know, there's no way that like, well, yeah, it's just me. I'm sitting here in my house with COVID on on Facebook every day. What else know, am I gonna
1: do? Yeah. But the great thing is you have these, <laughs> I mean, I would never have thought that there would be as many Golden Girls social media groups as there are because it wasn't on during a time of social media. I have seen more Golden Girls groups than Friends and Friends and Sex in the City kind of led into and are closer to the social media time. No, but there are
0: just these waves of I've lived through of, and this is the biggest wave I've ever seen I think
1: all the merch. Do you get get residuals though? If you have an iconic line, like what?
0: Nothing. So like this, sure, Jan, that's my line. I had to, I had to buy this cup. How is that fair? You signed everything away, gone, done. Unless you're Amy Sherman Palladino, then you own the world and you don't have to, you know, be nice to anybody.
1: I'm hopping back in here. Uh, So for those who have listened to the podcast before, you know how very much, um, I try to promote supporting the arts and the artists. So I say, if you're going to make something and utilizing quotes or anything that Stan or any other writer that you can have access to has written, send them the items, send them the merchandise, let them know that you appreciate it, you know, make a donation to a charity on their behalf, do something to show the artist that you appreciate the work that they've done.
0: Can I tell you my Britney Spears story? Yep. Yes. I know you want to hear this. You probably don't know this. She auditioned for a movie I was writing for Betty Thomas. Do you know about this? Betty Thomas, who directed the Britney Does this one. look like the face
1: of somebody in the know?
0: <laughs> okay. Wait till you hear this. Are you sitting down? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. So we were writing a movie. It was uh, a remake of Valley of the Doll. And it was my idea to have her come read for the Sharon Tate part. You know who else read for it? Beyonce, but anyway. um, So she came in, we're in the other room. And I'm like, I just saw the back of her go into Betty's office. I'm like, I wanna be in there. Um, So Betty's, I came up with the title. It was called Valley of the Dolls, The Relapse. And Betty's concept of it was, um, we spent so many months locked into her office writing this. Uh, And 20th just didn't get it. They're like, what, why? So it was a modern day uh, actors coming to Hollywood, young women get cast in the movie and they slowly start becoming those people in the movie. I know how brilliant would that have been and getting screwed up and all this crazy stuff like the movies and pills and all that stuff. I know, wouldn't that have been great? It was so beyond like so many levels. It was been super cool. And also still be fun costumey because it was, they were remaking the movie in that period. Yeah. I when, know. What know. Uh, and was it was Brittany, Mur- Brittany Murphy auditioned. I know. She was great. So she auditioned for the Patty Duke part. I know. it. The people, it's What year
1: insane. was this? Do you remember?
0: No, 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 no numbers. Um, it was after Brady Bunch and I don't know. I
1: don't this know was, this
0: I was, I mean, like, I feel like it was maybe around the time, when did uh, Beyonce do the uh, Austin Powers? Uh,
1: 2002, 2003. Cause it was from this soundtrack that Britney had a song to. So maybe it was around that time, because I remember- Oh, because then Britney did Crossroads instead. The Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think I was like, let's have some diversity in casting. And then I said, well, what about Beyonce? And they're like, can she play kind of bubble Sharon Tate? And I'm like, well, look at um, Austin Powers. It was kind of, she could, we didn't know if she could act or do anything. Anyway, she came in and read, um, so. And so Britney came in and read? So then the- Yeah, all read. In those days you can because also Betty- Who has those videos? To- no one? She recorded it. I, I had for a minute. I did have the Britney Murphy one, and I don't know where oh, it is, but um i know i know super, it been super
1: talented super talented from early on I'll, don't say a word yeah. with uh michael douglas like blew my mind and going back to you know ty or what was her yeah ty from clueless it was just and it's it's a shame so so young like i think of it now so young and oh, yeah. it's messed up so then so the studio was like-
0: so then the movie just studio was like done. with them. we a covered a couple of years ago, come on, let's bring it back. There's, there was something really there. Um, I mean, they spent a lot of money. They paid us, you know, some would, drafts, and drafts and drafts. Would Britney
1: and Britney have been in it? They could
0: have, ultimately. I know, how can you imagine that? <laughs> yes, because they're obviously different characters.
1: And so what advice do you have for the, the creatives out there right now who might just be- in a rut with just everything that has happened in the past year. What advice do you have for creatives? Not only writers and things like that. Be creative.
0: Keep being creative. Find ways to keep going at it. But then the other thing, because, you know, as we all say, we've never been in something like this. It's okay to not be creative too. If there's days when you're just feeling like, I just can't, or like all of a sudden, I just have to nap for two hours. Don't beat yourself up, you know, listen to your body, but also find other ways. If you can't do a play, do it on Zoom. You can still write a play. You can still hear it out loud with other actors to move it to the next level. Theaters are gonna open up hopefully this end of this year, maybe the fall and you'll be able to do it. There are people now filming TV shows. There are, or record it yourself or write a song or whatever you need to do. It doesn't have to be for a mass audience. It could just be for yourself. I
1: love that. I love that. And one of the best quotes I ever heard from somebody was Don't make your muse cry. Like creativity will come. Don't try to force it so much because then your mind is just overwhelmed with it. Like to your point, take a nap, sit back, let it. Come.
0: And don't think of the end product of it. I mean, I, I obviously on things I outline it, but just I was thinking like snarly hair. Just get something down. We're just like get it down, and then you'll comb it. It'll be nice and smooth and prettier. But just get it down and get to the end, and then go back. Some people get stuck in rewriting just the beginning. It's got to be perfect. Got to be perfect. Just keep going. Just get. For me, I'm not really totally. I can fully breathe until I get to the end, and then I oh, can rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. But just get to the. It
1: gets the end. Love it. And so one last thing for for the people watching watching and listening is. What would, what do you want to say to the Golden Girls fans? Cause we're, we just did this Golden Girls fundraiser. What do you have? What do you want to say to those people that are? Fans thank you. World?
0: I know, it's, I know it's clear to say thank you for being a friend, but just thank you for being there all the time. And people are like, always say to me, oh, I hate to bother you. Or can I tell you what this meant to me? I, for a writer, I'm not like an actor where people are coming up to them all the time and saying what it made them feel for a writer to know it affected somebody or got somebody through a hard time. That's what's so wonderful. Even if I don't know about it, I, you know, doing things like the cruise and meeting people like you, I can tell that what it's meant and that touches me here. And that's what keeps me going to keep writing more. I wanna to keep touching people.
1: Oh my God, Stan, thank you so much for doing this.
0: Well, this so nice meeting you and good luck and everyone should give lots of money to the great cause and to you. And you're super wonderful. And
1: And if you make any products with Jan or anything on there, please send some money to Stan. Send some money so I can eat tonight. All right, Stan, thank you so much. And we will keep in contact with you so we can find out about the book. Definitely. Perfect. All right, thank you so much. Have a good night. Before I let you go, I wanted to let you know about a couple episodes coming up. Uh, We are going to have the return of Maya Marie. Uh, And we're going to be talking once again to Cassia Livingston about her song Scary, as well as Stick With You, which was a song that she had written that was cut by and received well by the Pussycat Dolls, as well as some more producers coming up. Uh, Davidson Ospina will be back with us and a few other guests. So be on the lookout. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tag, post, all that fun stuff. So thank you so much. This is James Rodriguez Horton. See you on the flip side. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stay in and follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars you see? Don't you want my iconography?